Good morning. Good morning. And I love to pray in His holy name also. Amen. I got to get ready here, so bear with me while I deal with this electronic equipment. All right. <laughs> I want to welcome everybody. Uh, it is indeed a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to see you. It is a pleasure to have you if you're visiting with us. Uh, you are welcome. And we acknowledge you as our honored guests. Amen. I want to uh, thank you for stopping by. Mm -hmm. And I pray that something will be said that will encourage you, mm -hmm. that will help you to go here for with a greater zeal, a greater desire to serve God in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. Today is uh, a beautiful day. And it has nothing to do with the sunshine outside. It has to do with the sun that's in your heart. And I pray and hope that you will continue to nourish it, that it will not grow out, that it will not go out. Today's lesson, well, first of all, I want to uh, uh, give thanks for the opportunity stand before you. Amen. Uh, second, I want to ask you to continue to pray for Brother Barry and Sister Lisa as they travel, that they uh, have a good stay Amen. and return safe. Amen. And I want you to, thirdly, to continue to pray for me because of health and because of brotherly love. Amen. You didn't see that coming in. <laughs> brotherly love. Amen. And so today I want to deal with something that's uh, on our mind that uh, has uh, troubled us and even troubled some of the ones that's in the church. Right. And so I hope that whatever is bothering you uh, spiritually, religiously, that I'll cover in my lesson today. Right. Because the lesson is entitled Religious Confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Religious Confusion. Right. There's a lot of that in the world today. Some people don't know whether they're going or coming religiously. All right. And so the, the scriptures point out what we must do, but in order to do it, we must believe it. <laughs> you see, if you don't believe it, you can't achieve it. Okay? So the, uh, the encyclopedia of American religion lists 2,300 religions. <laughs> 2,300 religions. Hmm. So how can you know what's really true? 
about God. Right. You see, because you're being driven this way, you're being driven that way. And every way that you think about and concern religion. Right. So you don't know what to believe. Now, I hope that I can set the record straight. Uh, the Bible provides the way out of that confusion. Yes, it does. And all you have to do is believe. We believe by faith. Man. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Man. So as we look today uh, to the Bible, okay, then I'm praying that you will decide to believe what God says rather than what man. Man. Man is confused. Now, if you don't know that, I do. <laughs> he's confused. And the reason I know he's confused because he is given all kinds of ways to see God. Right. And there's that one way. Man. Okay? Uh, we live in uh, uh, religious and diverse society. Probably one of the greatest in the world. Okay? It says, you might wonder why you should choose Christianity. There are so many different kinds of Christianity. You might wonder why should you should choose one church over another. Religious division creates doubt. Yeah. Cynicism, arguments, uh, broken families and broken friendships. So we ask, how can we find our way out of all the confusion that's in the world dealing with religion? Right. Okay? Our nation is like the ancient city of Athens in the first century. Athens was full of temples devoted to idols. The pagan deities. The Greek writer, Paul Sanias, that's P-A-U-S-A-N-I-U-S, said that the Athenians worshiped the gods more than any other and had more religion than any other city. <laughs> but we too are religiously diverse in our culture. There are 635 major, major denominations. Now, I'm not counting all of them, but this is just a major one. Uh, Christianity and countless independent groups. This division is confusing, ain't it? No wonder the fastest growing religious group in America is the one that replies, no religion. <laughs> no religion. The number of people who don't go to church has grown from 39 million in 91 to 75 million today. <laughs> 75 million people who don't go to church. You know, uh, most people rather stay at home than go to church. 
we wonder why is that. One thing, or one reason is because the church is so confused. There is so much confusion in the church or in the world concerning the church, I might add, that some people just rather stay at home. But that is not going to solve the problem. We read 2 Timothy 3, uh, 1 through 7. Our reading comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. I'm going to, uh, can you put it up then? Okay, second Timothy. I can't see it, then maybe I need to. <laughs> well, I can see the board. Okay. It says that in the last day, see, uh, different time will come, men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloved, inconsolable. Scott, excuse me, in your. Uh, I get that word mixed up. Irreconcilable, malicious gossip, without self-control, brutal haters of good teachers, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter to households and captivate weak women weighed down with sin, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. That's, that's a great warning for us today as well, as those in the time of Timothy. The thing is, uh, we are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And why, why are we not coming to the truth? The reason is we're not looking for it. We're not wanting to. You know, when you look back at some of these people in this uh, without self-control, you, you don't know anybody like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're not like that, I'm sure. Without self-control, brutal. Haters of good. Conceited. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not naming all of them, but I'm just kind of picking out some. Uh, uh, gossip. You know, what does gossip do ex uh, except cut down or kill? the spirit of love. But of course, I know nobody here is guilty of that. You know, uh, we are Christians. So we've been born again. We have put on Christ in water baptism. And because we did, we have put off that old man. 
We put him on. We left him in the watery grave of baptism. And nobody had sneaked around to the back to put him on again. Is that right? So even though we are in this group, but it is not us. In Acts 17, verse 16, the Bible said, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. As he saw that the city was full of iron. Well, it should provoke today the hearts of any faithful Christian to see so much religious confusion. Yeah. Because you say, well, where, where's the religious confusion? Look around you. Uh, as you travel, look at the uh, what we call the strip mall. And everyone that's two or three churches. And guess what? They are not teaching the same thing. That's right. Everyone has a different doctrine yeah. that they are teaching. Yeah. That's confusion. Yes, it is. So the average person won't know which one that they should clean. And that's understandable. You know, if you have so many decisions to make, uh, it might be difficult to decide on one decision. If you have no concrete information to go along with it. Things, excuse me, uh, so many voices saying so many different things and that must leave us trying to figure out what is the truth. What Paul did in a religious divided world was simply to preach the gospel of Christ. So what are we doing today? We are trying to teach the gospel of Christ among all of this religious confusion. And so rather than looking at us and the Bible, uh, we are listening to every voice out there that's talking religion. And I use that word talking religion because they are not necessarily preaching what the Bible says. Mm. They are preaching what they feel you will attach yourself to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The whole idea is to get you and not to uh, get you in a, in a way where uh, you can be saved. The whole thing is not about that as much as it is about getting in your pocketbook. <laughs> Acts 17, 17 and 18. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicureans Stoics, philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, well, 
what does this babbler wish to say? And others said, well, he seemed to be a preacher of foreign divinity because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Well, if, if you have been accustomed to uh, idols and serving them, sure, what Paul was preaching would sound foreign to you. Just like today. Yeah. Uh, when we preach Christ and Him crucified, we sound foreign to others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like uh, we are preaching another gospel rather than what they are accustomed to. And when I say accustomed to, I'm talking about what they're hearing out in the religious sections. Yeah. It says the Epicurus, now Epicurus, who lived 300 years before Christ, held that pleasure was the chief goal of life and wanted, and he wanted a life free from pain, passions, superstitions, fear, and anxieties about death. He believed in the gods, and that's a little G, but thought they don't really care. So he pursued pleasure. Isn't that pretty much what we do today? We don't believe what God said. So we pursue what we desire. And just like Epicurus, we desire pleasure. Okay, uh, there's a contemporary uh, named Zeno founded the Stoics and emphasized man's reason and living. Self-sufficient. For him, God was everywhere. It was the world's soul. Now, neither the Stoics nor the Epicurus ever understood the love of God. Do you understand the love of God? Do you understand what he gave you and me? when he suffered on the tree, on the cross. Do you understand? I don't think so. Uh, some of them disputed with Paul and called him a Babel. Well, now Babel to them was a near to do well and put forth other people's ideas as their own and didn't understand what they were talking about. Uh, well, Paul was a Babel. The babblers were the thieves who spent all their time talking and listening and hoping to hear something new. Uh, some of us are thieves. We are doing the very same thing. We are hoping to hear something new because we don't want to believe what the Bible says. You hear what I'm saying? Because we don't want to believe 
what the Bible is saying. So they invited Paul to speak at Mars Hill, Acts 17, 22 to 25. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that there is every way you, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar. I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown? This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord and uh, excuse the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man, or is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. Now many today think they know God. Are we any different from the Athenians when it comes down to understanding God hmm. and believing what he said? Hmm. Are we able to uh, have our way or uh, scoop our way through all of the religious confusion that's in the world? Or are we listening to it? Are we able to work our way through it? Or are we listening to it? Right. Now, if we're listening to it, we can't be listening to God at the same time. Man. Mm -hmm. You see. But God think, but the God they think, they know, and the true God of the Bible are often quite different. People confuse themselves when they believe their perceptions of God rather than what the Bible actually reveals about God. <laughs> they perceive God is quite different from the God who created them. Many want a God of their own liking, who always agree with them rather than the God of Scripture. Right. Popular religion would have you believe that God so loved everyone and is so full of grace that he accepts us just as we are. Mm -hmm. Even if we never repent of our sin. Mm -hmm. But the God of the Bible expects people to repent. Amen. Some say that sin is an outdated word that no longer people should use. Isn't that something? Outdated. You're engrossed in it every day. Yeah, it's outdated. They imagine that using the word sin or sinner is offensive and keep people from coming to Jesus. How about that? It's offensive and keep people coming from coming to Jesus. People are not going to come to Jesus if they feel that they are all right. 
that they are in the right place, mm -hmm. that they are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. They only come to Jesus when they realize that they are in, now let me rephrase that, that they are in deep sin mm -hmm. and looking for a way to come out. I never would imagine that people would think sin is okay and that you should do as much of it as you can. Because at the end of sin, now the Bible says death, but you see it as pleasure. You see. So the more sin you do, you feel the more pleasure you have. <laughs> the Bible is right. Let nobody fool you. Amen. When sin is finished, death is standing at the end. Amen. The Bible, however, says that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. First Timothy 1 15. And he died for our sins according to the scriptures. First Corinthians 15 3. Sin is not merely breaking a law, it is breaking God's law. Sin breaks God's law and also his heart. Amen. Because all of the effort that he has put in to try to save man from sin, man continually jumps back in. Yeah. Can you imagine saving a man that's drowning and you get him to the bank and recitate uh, 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 him and, and he uh, gets upset. Okay, shakes it off and goes back and jumps back in. <laughs> Would you feel that you as law that 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 would be a disappointment to you. So is it to God when we continue to dabble in sin even though he has given his best. He's given Jesus to bring us out of sin uh, that we might have a, a way out, but yet we decide we'd rather stay in because we love so much. The gospel said Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to sin and live the righteousness. First Peter uh, 2, verse 24. With God, the idea of sin is very personal. God hates sin. And he wants us to transform our lives. Are you willing to transform your lives? Or are you content with staying where you are? You know. Uh, when you look at the cross and, and you see the image of Jesus uh, hanging on the cross and uh, you say, uh, that's okay, uh, Jesus, I'd just rather stay out here in the sin because I'm having so much fun. I'm enjoying it so much. Or are you willing to come out? God hates sin. Paul said in, at Athens in Acts 17 and verse 30, 
and 31. The time of ages are overlooked, but now commands all people everywhere to repent. Amen. Because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Amen. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God demands repentance and will judge people in righteousness at the end. So now, having listened to this, are you still comfortable where you are? Or are you trying to get out? And I know that it takes time. You're gonna, but I'm saying, have you fixed your mind where you can get out? Right. Are you willing to accept uh, the conditions that Christ has put forward so that you can get out? Or are you gonna stay there, content? You can be sure of it. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Mm. Now, any preacher who doesn't ask you to repent is not a gospel preacher. Mm. Right. Mm. In the paganism of old, everyone had their own God. <laughs> they chose the God that they liked. <laughs> now, the idols of Greece couldn't talk. They didn't have the Bible and asked nothing of their followers. You want a God like that? Idolatry was often associated with sexual immorality. And paganism allowed people to live in sin. Well, that's very convenient to serve a God, small g, that expects nothing out of you. Now, as long as you didn't mess with their God, they didn't mess with yours. Wow. And everyone could believe as he liked and would have and would leave uh, each other alone. Well, that's very similar to our culture. We tell everyone to live and let live. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like they had it made back then. You know, they had their own God. You know, they had several gods, they could just pick out the one they liked. Are we like that today? Are we wanting to have our own God rather than the God of heaven? See that way. You don't want to listen to it. We want to do as we please. So it seems like we're no different than the Athenians. Uh, they was happy, of course. They did what they want, wanted to, and they had fun while they were living in immorality. And, and as I say, all of the, the gods were uh, involved in sexual immorality, you see. And they had fun until they died. Mm -hmm. 
Because at death, that's when everybody, regardless of what religion you think you are or where you come from, you're going to have to meet either a loving God or a God that will take vengeance on you because of the life you live. Yeah. But this is why Paul was called a troublemaker by the Athenians. And frankly, biblical Christianity is thought to be troublemakers today. Hmm. You know, when you take the uh, Christianity into a foreign country, you know, uh, the people feel like that you're a troublemaker. You're coming in here upsetting our system of worship. You know? And it it spells out because when you look at places in the world like China, for example, uh, like um, uh, other places, I, I'm not going to name a whole lot of them, but because uh, at the moment I can't even think of all of them. But you know, there are a lot of them. You hear it on the news practically every day uh, where people are just disobeying or, or when it comes to Christianity, they are uh, taking people, they are putting them in jail, and they are punishing them because they are Christian. Well, Paul's uh, called a troublemaker, and any Christian today uh, might also be called a troublemaker. It doesn't live and let live. Uh, Jesus asked for people to believe that he is the Messiah, the only way to heaven. Jesus demands that people repent and live righteousness, righteous lives according to his teaching. Jesus asked each of us to take up our cross and follow him. Now some will mock this, just as they did Paul when he preached. They would rather have Christianity that caused nothing and asked nothing. That's why much of the popular religion, popular Christianity is in such a mess. When Paul spoke of the resurrection, some mocked him, but others said, well, we're going to hear you again about this. Acts 17 uh, and 32. Some of those men joined Paul and believed on the Lord. Uh, now much of the difference in people from uh, come from attitude. Uh, some people are willing to listen while others mock and make fun of Christianity. <laughs> Have you experienced that when you were peddling Christianity? Or are you the type that don't say anything about Christianity? to your friends and neighbors, uh, to those that are out in the marketplace. You refuse to mention that name because you know uh, people are going to say things about you. Uh, uh, some people are not even going to like you because you have put on the name of Christian. To them, Christian is whatever they want to do. 
you know. Uh, they like the religion that will allow them to do whatever they desire to do without punishment. Some of those men join Paul and lead on the Lord. Some people will listen, some will not. I know if you're in the marketplace, you have experienced this. Some think they know more than God knows. And they sit in judgment of the Bible itself. Uh, and they don't realize that one day the word of Christ will judge them and decide their eternity and their destiny. You know, how many times have you talked to people about the scriptures and they say, well, you know, man wrote the Bible. <laughs> you know, that's one of the big things that they come out with. Man wrote the Bible. And so what are they saying? Uh, the Bible is inconsistent. You can't trust it. And you can't believe what those people said in there because they had a man mind. And if that's true, then what they are saying is true. But we know that that's not true. He said, uh, some of the men, um, that wasn't what I meant to say. <laughs> John 12, 48, it says uh, <coughs> these same words are going to judge you in the last day. So he's going to help you make up your mind if you understand and believe what Brother Paul is saying here. I mean, uh, John is saying in, in uh, chapter 12 and verse 48. He said, people said, uh, put 12 people in the room and read them a passage of scripture and you will have 12 interpretations of that passage. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. Yeah. But is it really true? Does the Bible itself cause the confusion? Or is that we tend to place our own thinking above the Bible? Now the Bible was written to be understood as we talked about before, but God also wants us to understand it's a lie. To understand it a lie. In other words, you understand it the same way I understand it because you believe it and you read the same thing I read. Like a textbook in school, the Bible was written for groups of people to learn and use. Why would God give us a Bible that we could not understand? And then tell us that he would judge us on the basis of that book. God is in the business of saving, not confusing. Paul said to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 4 through 6, that when you read this that is speaking about what he had written. You can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Mm -hmm. 
Now, in the New Testament, a mystery was not an unsolvable riddle, but something hidden from one generation, but revealed to another. Jesus made some promise to us that can help us through this confusion. You know, if it's uh, to some it might be confusion, to others it, it's not confusion. It's, if you understand it and believe it, then you're not confused. Amen. But for those that are confused, then Jesus wants to help you. Amen. The Lord said in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Amen. And you will and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Now the way the truth is to study the Bible. That's the only way you're gonna find out the truth. Mm -hmm. To stay in the word mm -hmm. and not abandon for human opinions or human traditions. Yes. Only the word of God can set us free from sin, free from darkness, and free from the confusion of our day. The Bible brings us light to a confused and decaying society. And so we need the Bible now more than ever. We ought to be grateful that the Lord loved us enough to tell us the truth. And Jesus also promised the apostles in John 16, verse 12 and 13. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. We not only can know the truth, we can know the whole truth that leads to life and godliness in the revealed word of God. And so, but we can't know it if we don't believe it. We are not lacking anything that God intended for us to know. The Bible is all sufficient and can equip us from every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture inspired by God and prophets for doctrine, uh, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness, so the men of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Are you adequately equipped for every good work? Have you done all those things that God would have you to do? Have you studied and shown yourself approved unto God? Are you working diligently to convert some precious soul to Christ? You can only do it if you prepare yourself. Yeah. You can't just pull it out of the air and hand it over. You have to study it. So in order to uh, help someone, you have to stay in the Word of God. The Bible can Change and message ensured by God that will never change. You can count on its promises and its warnings. You can believe every word of it as a sure foundation of truth. First Peter 1 23 uh, to 25 says, For you have been born again, not of seed, 
which is perishable but imperishable. That is through the uh, living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails all or falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. The everlasting gospel message is your true hope, your sure anchor, and your only opportunity for eternal life. If you want to get out of the confusion that's going around in the world, you're going to have to look to God for the truth. Yeah. He is able to lead, to guide you out of the truth if you will accept his word as truth. First Corinthians 14, 33 says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God never intended to throw his word into chaos by having hundreds of religions and hundreds of ways to live. God wants everybody to unite under his teaching. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the devil is always at work, telling lies, making spiritual counterfeits, and encouraging new religions. The devil will do anything uh, to lead people away from the truth. Mm -hmm. He makes every effort to discredit God, to discredit the Lord Jesus, to discredit the Bible, to deny miracles, and to suggest that man involved rather than was created. He wants men to have their own gods, little g, rather than to submit to the one true living God. Now that's the work of Satan. Yeah. That's what he wants. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence, Jesus is the one and only Lord, but have you made him Lord in your heart? The way to overcome confusion is to recognize the uniqueness of Jesus. Unique is his birth. Unique is his prophecy. Unique is his miracles. Unique is uh, unique in being raised from the dead. Only his blood can cleanse your sin. Oh, let's follow the Lord Jesus. That is the only way. I hope that I've said something. If nothing more to cause you to think. If you think that you can be saved anywhere by anybody, then you have not accepted the word of promise. Because he says that in order to be saved, you have to come to him. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I'll come unto him. And I'll sit with him and he with me. So the door has been opened. Jesus is standing there waiting on you to make your decision. He's waiting on you to come. He's 
waiting on you to decide whether you're going to be part of the religious confusion or whether you're going to be the antidote that's going to fix it by using his word. Yeah. I've said enough. If you're not convinced by now, I could go on with the other page that I have and you still won't be convinced. So, if you have thought about it, if you have made a decision, if you want to put on Christ in water baptism, which the Bible tells you that you must, then this would be your opportunity. Man. This would be your time. Come on down. Come on down, man. And put on Christ in water baptism. And you will be able to have the Lord himself to help you work through all of this religious confusion that's in the world. Need I say anymore? Brother Dorian, let us sing. 8642.